So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we want to come before you and acknowledge, um, Lord, the distance that sometimes happens in our lives, how far apart we can become from you after a long week of distractions, of frustrations, of being tired, of being anxious. And then we come to these moments where we all of a sudden realize how hungry we are and how thirsty we are, how confused we might be. And Lord, we ask for you to bring clarity in this moment to our hearts and minds, that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us and fill us. Although we also want to acknowledge that you call each of us, that you've called each of us to faith and life with you, but also called us to action as part of this community. And I pray that now would be a time of confirmation in that call for each of us individually and as a body, how we function in step with you, that we trust you more, that we love you more, and that we love others outside of us and beyond us, because that is the natural response of worship and service. So I pray, Lord, that you would do this in our hearts, and it would be because of your great mercy and not of our own sort of will and doing. Bless us, Lord, because it is in your character to bless us and to show grace and mercy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Amen. As many of you might know, we've been going through a series looking at the core commitments for our church. It was called, I called it the beginning of this month, Becoming, a vision for Bethel. And we have three core commitments. Can any of you name the three core commitments? Don't cheat and look in the back. Although Caleb's like pointing at the back right there. Communion, community, calling, And we're focusing on calling this morning. But I wanted to take a moment to at least focus in a little bit on some of these qualities to make sure I didn't breeze over them too quickly. And that it also helps you see the whole of what I hope we all see together. So let's go to the first image here that's going to pop up on the screen. And it's because our core vision statement is becoming like Christ and sharing him with others. Becoming like Christ and sharing him with others. Now that's, that's, it's, it's really tight and succinct, but very profound and deep. The notion that we have become like Christ by beholding him each and every day, but also that it is a we, that we do this. We do this together, beholding Christ. We do this together, sharing him with others in our lives, our family, in our community, and beyond. And then you have the core commitments, which I'd like to show up here right now. And here's the interesting thing that I wanted to piece together a little bit. Whenever you see the leaf, we have the Bethel leaf. I see this leaf in the sense of these are the three commitments we're, we're rooted and grounded in the foundation of Christ. And out of that life and fruitfulness, as Wendy preached on several months ago or six weeks ago or something like that, we, each leaf represents our core commitment. Community, loving one another. Communion, walking with Christ closely. And then today, calling, which is impacting the world, which for us is also synonymous with serving the world. How do we actually serve the world? And if we go to the next picture, for me, my reflection this week was helping me understand and think through the fact that these are not just step one, check. Step two, check. Step three, check. That's not how it works. It's actually more of a circle and cycle of formation. You see, these qualities of community, communion, and calling, they flow into one another. They flow into one another as a cycle of forming us and shaping us. If you're going to spend a season of focusing on walking closely with Christ, it actually leads you to ask all the questions of how do I walk closely with others? How does my life and relationship with Jesus impact how I am friends to my my neighbors? 
how I befriend and go deeper in community of people who are following Jesus. And then that movement helps us understanding our callings. And I will use the plural callings for a reason. Our callings together. But our callings are the ways in which we serve the world and impact the world around us. How we give witness to what Christ is doing in our hearts and where do we take that into. It gives us focus. I used to have a, in junior high, I had a theater teacher. I used to really enjoy theater when I was in junior high and high school. And she would tell me, you know how you can just, she's trying to teach me how to fake pretend and pay attention in class. Fake pretend, the key. And so if you, if you just want, if you're here in person, you want to like, hey, Chris, I'm paying attention to you. What she would say, she would look at me and she said, and you just take your glasses off. You don't even have to have glasses, but have glasses just so you can take them off. And then just do this. <laughs> That's a way to really show you're really looking. But for me, if I did that, you know I can't see you because I really can't see that good. <laughs> um, but she was saying, yeah, but our callings, what I just did there, is our way of actually zoning in and really focusing on what God's doing. And sometimes you need to take a step back and actually look at all these things happening. Our callings help us to combat distraction, stepping away from confusion, and instead they help us to commit to this path of life Jesus has invited us into. And so I say callings plural because it's much more than just, say, if you have a job or vocation. It's, more, it's, it's much more beyond that. This has, for me, been a very significant reflection in my life that I understand unique callings that God has given me. And I think that there are unique callings that God has given each one of you. I first start with my call to follow Jesus. That God gave me that call. And I said yes. And I have said yes each and every day following Christ. But then I also have a call to serve and love my wife, that God gave me a call at one point in time in my life to say, no, I'm calling you to love this woman, that you love her like I love her. And then God, along the way in our marriage, gave us the call to love our children, to love Ruth, who was worshiping with us just now, and Gabe, who was already downstairs. He gave us a call to love our children. That was specific to what he's doing in my life. And then similar to what Mike was sharing in the sense that I have been on this long journey of serving the church and feeling called to serve the church as both a shepherd and teacher as your pastor. But my callings go well beyond that because if you take a step back, it's not just all the things I listed. It's the fact that I am a son to two parents, my mom and dad, who've loved and committed to life. And I have a calling to serve them as a son. I love them and hold dear to them as a son. I'm also, I have a sister. I have one sister. And I'm called to be her brother. So in all seasons of life, how do I continue to be a brother? How do I continue to show love to her? And you can do the same exercise for yourself because whether you're married or not, whether you have family or not, how you answer those questions brings up questions of who, what am I called to do in this season? It goes well just beyond family. You can think about your vocation, whether you have clarity about what you're doing in your role or whether you're focusing on home. But there's also, I think about some of the friends that God's given me. And maybe you have some of these friends too. Dear friends, friends that I am called to be present in beyond just one season. That I'm committed to being a friend to them. I, I think of, I'm thinking of one of my close friends who's expecting his first child to be born over the next week. And I... Uh, it's been a long time since I've been with him ever since coming to Canada, but I'm called to be his friend and really his brother in Christ in all seasons. Our callings go well beyond just the normal ways. Oh, this is what I do for work. 
it goes big because they are about how we impact the world and community. And it comes from flowing from communion, community, to understand our calling. So we're in Romans 12. We've been, we actually had a lot of sermons on Romans last year. So I'm going to give you a brief explanation of Romans. And then I'm going to talk about four essential ways in which I think Romans 12 is talking about calling. Four essential ways that I think immediately applied to you. Because I believe God's called you. Whether it's to be a better daughter, to be a better mother, to be a better son, brother, sister. That all those things together, they actually form and shape what God's doing in your life. Romans is a letter that is fundamentally about the gospel, the good news. And Paul writes to the people in Rome, and we read it from this perspective, that he's writing to people who have been embraced by the identity of Christ. The good news that Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and that new, a new reality is possible, transformed by the love of God and the grace of God. At the very beginning of Romans 1, he says this in Romans 1.6, including yourselves, you are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And then in Romans 28, which probably might sound familiar to you, all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. See, our callings are associated with God's purposes in our lives. Paul, Paul doesn't say this in Romans, but he says it in 1 Timothy 2, 4, where he says, God desires everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2, 4. And so part of how we understand, I would encourage you to think about your callings, is how do you align yourself and your will with God's purposes? Because that's, what he's, that's why he gives you different things along the way to lean into, to embrace that more might be bear, born, fr- like it would bear fruit. So like I said, I'm going to talk about four essential callings that are about God's grace in our lives, your personal walks with Jesus. But I also want you to hear that this also will flow back into community. Because calling doesn't really make sense when you're independent and disconnected from community. You end up lacking the ability to answer all the questions that you want. Sometimes you actually need to discern callings with the people closest to you so that you can understand and know and discern. And Romans 12 here talks about that. The first calling I want to talk about is that we are called to worship through sacrifice. We are called to worship through sacrifice. You can see it really, really clearly in the first verse of Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, Paul speaking to the church, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The first thing I want you to note here, if you have your Bible open or you're looking at the word on the text on the screen, is that it's in view of God's mercy. And sometimes when you read a big letter like Romans, you can kind of miss the perspective a little bit. But Paul has spent significant time helping the people who are receiving the letter know about the grace of God. And that anything he says from here is coming as a result of the grace of God, in view of God's mercy. And this is why, because God has been gracious, he's shown love to you and shown love to me, he says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And sometimes the Bible will say things that should be really resound is pretty radical. Like I, this has, for me, been years and years, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. And at the same time, it is radical to say, I want you to offer up your body as a sacrifice. And it's continual every single day. Can you offer this up in sacrifice? Yes, it's gracious, but can you offer this? To break down the phrase a little bit, 
living sacrifices, the, the verb to offer present is also oftentimes used for something like bystander, something like a worship ritual act, which is really, I think, connected to witness, to bearing witness about who you are and who you belong to, what you find ultimate comfort in. Living means that sacrifices, which would normally be dead, either burnt or killed, instead are living sacrifices. No, 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 no. Life doesn't stop now. It continues. That you live into it. It is a daily practice in life. And then sacrifices, which all throughout the New Testament are used in this way. And these are the kind of gifts and the way of life that's pleasing to God. One of the, um, one of the quotes, and I really, over my life and just spiritual growth, Francis Chan has always been a person I feel like God's used to basically say, no, you can go deeper. I might not always know everything that he's doing or understand quite what God's doing in Francis Chan's life, but I always am down for a Francis Chan video or book or quote. And this quote here speaks to, I think, where as believers, we hear this verse and we wonder, what do we do next? It is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. It's not about settling in the Christian walk, but actually it's much more about a journey of becoming. It's a journey of becoming and sharing. And that is far more active sometimes than it is comfortable for us to lean into what does God have for you this upcoming season? How do these callings I just elicited, how do they change? How do they grow? How do they deepen? How do they shape you? Because it's leading to what true and proper worship looks like which, as you can probably piece together, and I always think of Philippians for this as well, it's a dying to the self. That following Christ and saying that Jesus is Lord and Savior and ruler of all means, well, that means I can't be. <laughs> that means that I actually need to die to myself in some way, that this calling to, to worship through sacrificing on myself means that I have to let go of what I think life specifically should be for me. And instead, be far more open to what God's grace is doing in my life and the lives of others, my family, and my community. That's the first essential calling. Called to worship through sacrifice. The second one is called to transformation. If you read the next part of the verse, you'll see it really clearly too. Called to transformation. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as you present yourself as a living sacrifice every day in all the smallest ways you can, saying, God, I'm going to let this day be yours. How many days of this past year did not quite start the way you wanted to where you didn't actually say, God, this day is yours. I'm going to receive this day as a gift and serve you as a witness to what your ultimate gift is, regardless of if the world's on fire. <laughs> But then transformation takes place because it's talking about the fact that all these patterns of the world, it has its own cycles. That cycle, communion, community, calling, that has its own formation involved with it. The world has its own formation too, whether you know it or not. The world has its formation where it shapes us, whether we're being shaped as consumers, we're being shaped by echo chambers. All these different things take place. But this cycle of beholding Christ is intended to bring unity to the church. Becoming like Christ and sharing him with others. That is the cycle. And it's, you know, you hear that do not conform to the pattern of this world. That should, 
in a lot of ways, it made me immediately think of communion, that message I had earlier in September. Communion. What does it look like to walk closely with God? Because that's the pattern. That's the, that's the cycle. That's the formation. Walking closely with Jesus and beholding out of 2 Corinthians 3. Beholding Christ and being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And then you, you look at the next part of the verse in Romans 12, 2, where it says this, Then you will be able to text and approve God's will which is his good, pleasing, perfect will. And what it's basically trying to tell us is that as we lean into, this, lean into our callings, and maybe you can start to put a list together in your mouth. I'm called to this. I'm called to this. God's given me this responsibility. God's given me this opportunity. That as we lean into our callings in light of God's mercy and grace, that it, he gives us by the Holy Spirit the capacity to test and approve. He gives us the capacity to discern, is this of the Lord or not? Is this to line up with the will or not? And we do this graciously. We do this humbly because it's not like we all know all the answers. But this is the pathway, the pathway of as we offer ourselves and worship to God, that he does give us wisdom along the way, which always demonstrates as people who live more graciously, who live more humbly, who love better, who show more compassion to each other, like, that is what this transformation is, called to transformation. If you're wondering about your callings, the ones that I think are of the Lord are the ones that lead you towards the pattern that shape you in the love of Jesus. What are those patterns and what are those callings? Whether it's a vocational role, a role in your family, or how you are a friend. It's all intended to contrast, and I think it works really well with where we are in society, where Rome was a very competitive elite society. You wanted to be the smartest person. You wanted to be always in on the next trend. And we can easily fall prey to this. Does success look like keeping up with all the trends and looking like the most successful? Or does it look like compassion, love, and listening in light of God's mercy? That's the second calling. Called to transformation. We're called to worship, transformation. And the third one, which you can see really clearly in verse 3, is... Humble witness, called to humble witness. For by, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So what it's saying is that God's grace given to us means that we should think humbly. That actually, like when you really receive the love of Christ in your heart and life, then that means that you can humbly serve others. That's what it naturally leads to. Do not think so highly of yourself. But there's some self-assessment involved, sober judgment, that you actually try to think clearly about what's happening in my heart and life. And I'll be the first to tell you as your pastor, I do this every day. Every day, I try to have moments where I do self-reflection and assess what's going on in my heart, what's going on with my emotions, what's going on with my spirit. And I would encourage the same practice for you. Because we can easily lose sight of what's happening. <laughs> you just, you know, maybe it's a bad mental health day or we start to be really frustrated about something and we don't give ourselves time to think, what is actually bringing about this low-level anger? What's bringing about this frustration? If we're not willing to be open to it, we'll miss it. And it impacts our relationships. So, our, we're called to humble service. And this takes us into community. The next few verses of Romans 12 kind of naturally lead us here. This is how I enjoy preaching, is just following the flow of a passage and bringing out the things that I think are here so clearly. So verses 4 and 5, it says this, 
For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to the others. That God's grace leads us into humble service with each other. And you can't humbly serve without actually knowing the people involved. Like it really always gets very disconnected if service is just, oh, I'm just going to do handouts and just going to just serve without knowing the people I'm involved with, which is why like we're committed to serving the neighborhood here. It's how we're impacting the world, how we're serving the community because we want to take time to get to know the place that where God has us, that God's called us here. Just like God's called you to different neighborhoods in the cities too, where you live matters, knowing your neighbors matters, that you get to know the people involved. And just the same, this, this is a collective call that we as a church are called to do this together, which is where this language of the body comes up. That we don't all try to do the same things because we don't all have the same gifts. And I may have said this before in a sermon, before or not, but I would always like to say it, that one of the things that brings me the greatest joy in ministry is when I see other people use their gifts. That a lot of times I see my role as a pastor is to really kind of facilitate opportunities for people just to stay, step into their callings, to step into their gifts, perhaps to even do more than they thought they ever could because the God is at work in their lives, the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives, and he's using them. And so watching people shine and do things all for God's glory speaks to that. But it's because God's Spirit is at work and that's why I said what I did, said earlier in that sometimes it's very difficult to ask some of these questions of what you're called to if you're disconnected from community. <laughs> maybe you have a spouse or maybe you have some friends. You know, I, I, you're trying to figure this out. Maybe you have less clarity now. Where I always think is that if you don't have a lot of clarity about your calling, at least invest the time and energy into the ones you know you're called to, <laughs> to not neglect the ones that are most important, whether it is a close family member that you are going to be committed to in life but you're wondering about your career, don't lose sight of the person standing next to you in the midst of that whole process. <laughs> that you must hang tight together and ask deep questions, but not forego what you know God has in front of you because that's so important. It's about your witness. It's about what God is doing in a long-term part of your life and your story. But you can't answer all the questions about calling if you get disconnected from relationships with others, people who know you. You need people around you who know you. When I was discerning whether I wanted to marry Christy or not, I needed people in our lives to, to, to weigh in. Does this make sense? I remember I, 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 I talked to people over and over again because I was thought, thought Christy was way out of my league. And I thought, okay, does this make sense? And, and, and through discernment, that became clear. I also think about that a lot of times when I wonder what to do with a close friendship. A friendship that after several years takes a sideways turn and I don't know how to respond to that. And I have to invest time in asking people, how do I respond in love and compassion towards this person? Because things can change over time. Part of the way of answering what you're supposed to do and what a calling is, is three steps. It's seeing the needs of others, being clear about your gifts, your passions, and your true desires. Looking at the needs around you, knowing your gifts and skills, and then also seeing your desires. Those are three parts. Those are important to go back to you as you wonder what they are. This next section of Romans 12 speaks to that. And it's that this is the last and fourth essential part of calling, which is that we're all called through distinct gifts and passions. And those gifts and passions, they arise out of belonging. That's why I emphasized the grace so much in the beginning, that our belonging 
comes out of the fact that God's shown mercy to us and that we have to lean on God's grace to see these different gifts. So Romans 12, 6 says exactly that. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so I love celebrating that. When I get to know each of you in different ways, I love celebrating because I am immediately embracing in my heart and spirit what I see as God's good in your heart and your life. Things that I immediately, even you can tell this when you meet someone for the very first time. You see, this is a person who serves people well. This is a person who thinks deeply. This is a, this is a person who makes best friends with someone at the grocery store. <laughs> this is a person who accounts for the things not thought of that need to be accounted for. <laughs> this is a person who makes the deadline. This is a person who has a creative spin on something that would not have been true of me, but blessed as others. You can go on and on, but just by knowing the people, whether you know people in this room or you know people that have been part of Bethel in person at other seasons, you know that there's these beautiful things that have happened in people's hearts and minds and that we should pay attention to those things and celebrate those things because they not only lead to others' joy, but they lead to our joy too. They enhance our joy as part of a community of people shaped by grace. Frederick Buechner says, has this quote that I think is really profound about calling, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And that's where I was saying, talking about the way I was about when I've gotten to know people in this church and immediately sense the gifts and skills that are in your life. Each of you individually, you all have gifts and skills. Because I believe that God has placed those in your life to lead you to joy. But he's also placed you in the life for a purpose. It's for his purpose. And that to actually, for you to invest time and energy to understand more and more what that is, is for you to address the needs around you. There's this exchange and flow. As we walk with Christ, we see how God has prepared us and equipped us for exactly that, his purposes in the here and now, what the church needs now, what the community around you needs now. So you might be wondering, where do I go from here? (laughs) Maybe you have some sense of clarity about your call. Maybe you don't. But the fact that you're asking the question is so important. Because we as a church are people, we feel called. We feel called to serve this community. We feel called to be here. Just like I felt called to move halfway across North America to be here and be with you as a church. Because God is doing mysterious and wonderful things, and we want to be sensitive to that spirit. Sometimes calling and and, and trying to figure out calling, you can become obsessed with the what. What am I called to? Have you ever had that conversation? Or maybe that anxious experience where you're wondering the same thing? Well, even as you wonder about the things, I would say that what Paul goes to next in this chapter is not focusing on the what as much as how you go about it. And I want to move towards a close here. And I invite the band to come up um, as it helps prepare us to lead in response. Because the what get transitions to the how here. That it's not just humbly, it's with enthusiasm. That what Paul starts to talk about is loving with sincerity and being committed to one another. Sharing with what you have. Being patient in the midst of hardship. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. Avoiding pride but seeking peace with others always. And this is only possible because Jesus Christ is at work in our lives, empowering us to do things we didn't think we could do. And if you're wondering how to step deeper into all of your callings, because you have many, 
then I would say it's to seek to know Christ more. It's when we seek to know Christ more and more closely that these callings, callings become apparent. And I think about Philippians 3.10 where he says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of the sufferings, to become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. I want you to hold that phrase, that if you want to know Christ, then you will lean in these callings, and they will become clear over time. How you can become a better mother and father, a better brother and sister, a better friend, a better son, and a better daughter. And how we as a church can embrace our calling, become a better neighbor to our community, to become a better voice to what God is doing in the midst of creation because our callings, they transform us by God's grace and draw the world around us into his love. Please pray with me. Lord, calling is a big question because we all wonder immediately what you've asked us to do. But Lord, as you've spoken over and over again, it is always about acknowledging and following Christ first, that we do want to know you and proclaim you above all things. And it is through that strength and through that focus that we embrace the things you give us along the way. So I ask that you would give us strength to see the things that are staring right in front of us that we need to address that you would give us quickness in how we repent from the ways we step away from what you've called us to. And instead, we would embrace it with the power of your Holy Spirit. That you have us here for a purpose, to bear witness to who you are and to reconcile the world around us to God because your love and grace has gone before us and is with us. So please, Lord, bring clarity to how we do this together individually, but as a church, to offer ourselves up as sacrifices to you and that you might draw the world into yourself. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.